Hello, and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. Today is week four of our current series, Frequency. The title of today's message is Stewards God's Spoken Word. We hope you enjoyed the message. Amen. Good morning. How you doing? Hey, I got a question for you all. Did you bring your listening ears today? Listening ears. Some of you are going, okay, this church just got real weird. I'm not coming back to this one. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. We all hear audibly, but the question is, are we listening? And today, I'm not here to give you something to hear. I'm literally here encouraging you to lean into God's word and to listen for what God might be saying to you. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been on a series entitled Frequency, and literally what we've been talking about is tuning in, listening to the voice of God. Now, I realize that this is a foreign idea for some people, listening to God, listening for the voice of God. But the truth is that God has something to say to each and every one of us. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, to go ahead, uh, go on the app, go on the website, go to Facebook, catch up on this series because there's a lot that we've covered and I really don't have time to recap. But I do want to start off this morning by simply saying this. There is nothing sadder. The saddest thing that we could ever undergo as believers is to live void of the voice and the truth that God has for our lives. There's nothing more sad than that. Nothing more sad than that. The scriptures say, God says in his word, that he has elevated his word above his name. And what literally God is saying there is, I put greater importance on what I have declared to you than my very nature. Listen closely. If God places that level of importance on his word, shouldn't we? And so today, I want to talk to you about stewarding God's spoken word. Stewarding God's spoken word. The word steward simply means this. It's a verb. It's an action word. And it means to manage or look after another's property. It means to supervise arrangements and to keep order based upon something that someone has entrusted to your life. And so here's, what, here's a thought for you to consider. That God has given you the very thing that he has elevated above everything in creation. Himself. He's giving you his word, the most important thing to him. And the question is, how are you arranging it into your life? How is it factoring into your decisions? How is it changing your perspective of this world, of the circumstances that you're in, of the challenges that may come your way, of your self image? How is God's word impacting your life? And the key is this, that impact can only come as we respond to God's word and apply it. I'm reminded of a story I heard years ago. I may have shared it here at some point. Um, But it's a story of this uh, little old lady who was bedridden. And she had gotten to a point in her life where her family no longer visited her. No one really cared for her. Um, But she, you know, she was a very, she had a uh, history of really going above and beyond for her family and her friends and her loved ones. And she was esteemed by an employer that she had. Now, this woman had challenges. She had a hard life because, you see, she grew up never knowing how to read. 
But this, this employer that she worked for really cared for her and took her in and paid her well. She was able to raise her eight children while tending to this man's household, while cleaning his home and managing his affairs. And so the, the, the way the story goes is here she is many years later, and no one cares for her except this one man who lives next door to her. And he stops by day in and day out, and he would just check in on her to see her. We'll call her Mary just for you know, for the sake of the story. And so he would stop over to see Mary and he would check in on her and he would talk with her and maybe bring her something to eat and just listen to her stories of, uh, you know, her employer and her children and everything. And then one day as he's visiting Mary, he realizes that there's this old dilapidated paper. It's, 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 uh, fraying at the, at the fringes of the paper. It's yellow. It, it looks like it's been crumbled, like it's not worth anything. But what caught his attention was that it was in a frame. And so this one day, he takes uh, extra uh, curiosity at seeing what's going on on that piece of paper, and he leans in, and he says, Mary, what's, what's with the paper in the frame? And she says, oh, that's just something that my employer gave me when he passed away, and I stopped working for him. And this woman had nothing. Or so it would seem. Because when he looked at this paper and he read what was on it, it was this man's last will and testament, and he had left his inheritance to this woman. I'll tell you why I share that story with you. Because there's nothing worse than being a believer void of the word of God while having it, not knowing what it says. The truth is that God has something to say to you. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He's talking about a foundation, a strong foundation. It says, The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Listen closely to what Jesus is alluding to and what he's calling us to. He's saying, listen, you who take the word, who hear these words of mine and put them into practice, you who hear the truths that I reveal by my word and steward them and manage them and incorporate them into your life and apply them, he says, you are like that man who builds his house on a rock, on a strong foundation, because he knows that when the storms come, no matter what blows his way, he will stand. There is a promise from God to you. If you will listen to my word and you will incorporate it into your life, if you will trust my promises and you will apply it, he says, you're unshakable. You're immovable. The winds will come. They'll blow. The waves, they'll batter against you. They will come, but you will stand. Let me ask you a question. And I don't want you to shout yourself out, but I want you to simply internalize this question and answer it for yourself truthfully. Are you standing on a rock? Are you living life with God's word as your foundation? Because if you are, you'll stand. But if you're not, Read the rest of this verse on your own time in Matthew 7. It says that the fool is the person who builds his house on sand. 
You know what you know you know what sand is known for, it's notorious for? It shifts. It's unsteady. You can't build a house on sand. Let me put it to you this way. You can't build your life on anything but the truth that God's word reveals. To do so is foolish. To do so is a recipe for disaster. And so you are a steward. God calls you a steward. And here's the thing. If you're like me, you will not give anything of value that you possess to someone who's not capable and able to manage it. Now, here's the beauty of this. Because for some of us, we say, oh, you know, I wish I was like you, or I wish I knew more, or I wish I could get to where they are. And the truth is this, that God has given his word to the entire world, which says something. There is something inherent in you. There's something innately deposited in you that qualifies you to manage the word of God in your life. Well, I thought that was God's job to do it. Not according to Jesus. Jesus said, I give you my word and you build the house. I know that this isn't a popular topic. I'm going to tell you why. Because at some point we have to come to the dividing line where we say, I will either trust and believe and do what God's word says or I won't. It's, it's, it's a real call. It's, it's true, ladies and gentlemen. You know what's true? Believers actually believe. And believers actually do what God's word says. We should. To do otherwise is to waste our time. To do otherwise is to have the inheritance and not know it. And so you're a steward. And I want you to see that from the beginning of time, God entrusted his word to one species in creation. Mankind. You and I. Genesis 1, through 30 says this. For some of you, uh, the, you, you've heard this before, but I want you to consider the reality of what we're seeing here. In Genesis 1, through 30, it says, Then God did what? God said. God said. Watch what God says only to men. He says, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the, in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God has this divine plan, this masterpiece of a plan. And he says, I know, I'll make people just like me. Just like me. Here's the proof of it. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and what? Said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. 
And so all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. Notice that God said, and it was so. But notice what God said specifically to mankind. I authorize you. I equip you. I design you with one intention, that you would reign. That you would walk in authority like me. Now watch this. Watch this. That's, that's good news. That's good news. But the sad reality is that the tragedy that happened right after this is still in play today. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. In Genesis chapter 3, we have the account of Adam and Eve and the fall. They fall for a lie. They fall for a lie. And see, what's tragic about it is that they had all the truth they needed. You're authorized. This is what you will do in the earth. This is your garden to tend. These are your resources to manage. You have my authority. You have my word. You have my blessing. You have everything that you need. And somehow, they gave it up. Listen to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, what it says. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Let me just translate that for you. When the Bible says that the serpent was more crafty, what the original language is bearing out is that it's referring to a skill in achieving one's ends by deceit. So here's what it's saying. Satan was really good at this. He always has been good at this. But watch how he deceives, right? It says, uh, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So watch this. He takes the truth and he wraps a lie with it. He brings into question the truth that God has spoken. Do you know that we live in a world today that encourages us to question if what God says is true? That's the world we live in, ladies and gentlemen. Because in this day and age, truth is not obsolete. Truth is relative. It's relative to what everybody else says is true. It's relative to what I feel. It's relative to what's common and acceptable. It's relative to political agendas. It's relative to what I want to believe and what I think is good. And the, the truth is this, that God's word is not relative. It relates to our lives, but it is obsolete. It, I'm sorry, it is not obsolete. It is absolute. I'm sorry, I said obsolete, didn't I? Bad pastor. It's absolute. I'm talking about obsolete. Listen, it is absolute. There is no gray area in it. So Satan comes and he brings into question the truth that God has given him. And Eve goes, hmm, that looks good. That sounds good. I think I'll have a bite of that. But that wasn't the error. Let me show you the error. So they drop the ball. They believe they can hide from God now. So they're hiding. And Genesis 3 tells us that God comes walking in the cool of the day, and he comes into the garden. And he says, Adam, 
where are you? Adam, where are you? And Adam is hiding, the Bible tells us. He actually believes he can hide from God. See how deceived he was? So he's hiding. He says, oh, I hid because I'm naked and, you know, I'm ashamed and all this other stuff. And God says, did you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to? And listen to the truth of what really happened here. Genesis 3.12 says, the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And so God says, oh, Eve told you. Verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Let me, let me show you what happened here. The, the downfall did not come because of what they ate. The downfall occurred the moment they listened to another voice besides God's. Listen closely. His heart went down. Here's the truth. Adam listened to Eve instead of God's word. And Eve listened to the serpent instead of God's word. And as a result, a great fall came about. See, they were entrusted with truth. And all they had to do was stick with the plan. But the truth is that when we don't steward God's word, life goes wrong. I'm going to say that again. When we do not manage what God has entrusted us with, this great and precious treasure, the truth the gospel revealed by his word through Jesus Christ. When we do not act, when we do not practice, when we do not apply, when we do not incorporate, when we do not believe it, when we don't do it, life goes wrong, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, the story at the beginning of time is still repeating itself. Because for some of us, we're still believing some truth wrapped up with a lot of lies. You can't water down truth, ladies and gentlemen. You can't do it. We cannot do that. It's like oil and water. It doesn't mix and it doesn't work. And so when we don't steward God's word, when you do not manage what God has entrusted you with, the most precious thing that God could have ever given you and I is his word. It's the truth it reveals. Life goes wrong when we don't steward it. And so I want to give you four simple things as we're wrapping up here to consider about stewarding God's word in your life, about managing what God has entrusted to you, about practicing the truth. The first thing I want to encourage you with is that you are to use it for its intended purpose. We should be using the word of God for its intended purpose. Today we live in a day where truth, where the truth contained in God's word is used by many as a means for self-help. Listen closely. Oh, I just want to go to church so that I can feel good about myself. We live in a day and age where the truth of God's word is more about us and what we get and what we want and what we desire at the expense of the truth that it points us to. Listen to the words of Jesus in Ephesians chapter, I'm sorry, listen to the word of God 
which is the words of Jesus actually. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, it says that it was he who gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So watch how this is supposed to work. We are to be in the care of people that teach us the word of God to such an extent that it equips us and it prepares us to do the work of the ministry. You know, I have a grandson, and I am head over heels with him. But let me tell you, there will be a problem if that boy is 10 years old, still talking about he wants milk. Are you getting, my, are you getting the point that I'm making here? So watch this. The scripture says that what we receive and the people that God has placed to care for us in regards to these truths, that they are meant for the purpose of equipping us for the work of the ministry. Watch this. That is to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Watch this. A mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. That simply means this. Being just like Christ. So we are no longer to be children. Tossed back and forth by the waves and carried about by every wind of teaching by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. Listen, if you find yourself wavering between two opinions, the word of God and something else, here's what the scripture is saying. You are missing the truth. You're not growing up. You're not growing up. You know what some spiritual people respond to that? Well, I got to pray about that one, Pastor. It's, as far as the word is concerned, there's nothing to pray about in regards to that. It's black and white. We're called to grow, to mature. Verse 15 says this, but practicing the truth in love. Practicing the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into Christ. Let me ask you a question. How does a police officer become a police officer? How does a cook become a cook? Right? How does an architect become an architect? How does a doctor become a doctor? How does a carpenter become a, car a carpenter? They take the information in, they begin to apply it and practice it, and then they enforce it into their life to such an extent that they do it well. And they're known for it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are no different. We are called to take the Word of God, to ingest the truth of it, to process it, to apply it and practice it, and enforce it into our lives so that we can grow. Yeah. Verse 16 says, from him the whole body grows. It is fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. Watch this. As each one does its part. The body grows in love. You know, God's word truly does bless us. It does lead us to healing. It does prosper us. But we got to really consider what we're hearing from the word. Without putting the truth into practice, you cannot grow. 
the reason why we should be tuning into the voice of God, we should be seeking the truth of his word and knowing it and incorporating and practicing it in our lives is because it accomplishes what God always intended from the beginning of time. A people that would be just like him. And in this day and age, people need to see Christ. But in order to see Christ, people need to encounter people, believers who actually believe and practice and grow so that Christ would be known and his truth and his power and his healing and his love and his ministry would be revealed in this world. The second thing that I want to leave you with here today is this. That if you're going to steward God's word, if you're going to incorporate it, if you're going to uh, uh, take what God has entrusted to you and manage it, that you and I should not go beyond what is written. Don't go beyond what is written. You know, the Bible says X, Y, and Z, but Stephen Covey says that there's seven practices that I can incorporate into my life and everything will work well. You can't do Jesus plus something else. You can take principles and learning experiences from people's lives and incorporate them. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But you cannot call that the truth in place of God's truth. We can't do that. The Bible says that it is the traditions of men that make the word of God void. It's what we do that we say, ah, this is, this is our plan. This is what works. Just follow these seven principles. Just do this and do that. Just, just do a little more meditation. Just throw on some candles. Just stretch a little bit more, and it will bring inner healing. There's only one thing that can heal the heart of men. It is the truth that God has for our lives. So we can't go beyond what's written. I think of the Word of God like the lines that we see on a path, on a highway. You ever think about those lines that you see, those yellow lines, right? You ever think about how when they're broken or when it's a solid line, right, and what it's telling you? It's telling you you cannot cross over here for a reason. It's telling us stay in this lane for a reason. But you know what's interesting about when we stay within those lines? They guide us and they ensure that we get where we're supposed to go. Now, I get it. We get some crazy people that want to cross the lines. But I'm not talking to you about other people. God's talking to us about us. And what he says is just do what my word says. Oh, but, but, but that's hard. Yeah, it is. But let me ask you something. Is growth in any regard easy? Anything that's worth pursuing in life, anything that's good, will bring some challenges with it. There'll be some hardships with it. You want to grow your body? Everybody goes, oh, this is the year that I get myself together. I'm going to the gym. I'm so excited. And you get there and you start picking up those 20 pounds. And you go, oh. and then the next morning you wake up and you go, oh, my God, that's just so hard. I don't want to do it. It's the person who endures past the pain and past the hardship and past those things that grows. 
Don't go beyond what's written. Listen to 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 2, and also verse 6. It says, one should think about us this way. This is the Apostle Paul speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, one should think about us this way. As servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, what is sought in stewards is that one be found faithful. Faithful. Listen. All God asks of you and I is just be faithful with my word. Just be faithful with my word. Now, watch verse 6. He says, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos because of you, brothers and sisters, so that through us you may learn not to go beyond what is written, so that none of you will be puffed up in favor of the one against the other. Let me give you some background here on this. Let's leave that verse up. Just leave that verse up, please. So in... The the Corinthian church were people who loved God. They were just a mess. That's all it was. They just had grown up in beliefs that were foreign, were pagan, were inconsistent with God's word, and now they believe in Jesus. And now they're learning all these things. So if you study the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, it has a corrective tone to it. Paul is saying, man, you're wrong on this, man. This is how you get it right. And this is where you're going wrong in this regard. So they had a lot of stuff going on. And one of the things that was happening that was wrong about their belief was this. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says this to them. He says, some of you say, I'm of Apollos. And some of you say, I'm of Paul. And he says, but who's Apollos and who's Paul? He says, I planted Apollos water, but God gives the increase. And so here's what was happening in the early church at Corinth. They're hearing the truth, and then this starts to happen. Well, you know, I'm not getting fed there anymore with Paul. I'm I'm more of Apollos' flavor. I like how he teaches it. Man, he's, he's a great man of God. Man, look, look at the blessing on his life. Look, look at the power and the authority with which he speaks. Yeah, yeah, I follow Apollos. And others were going, no, 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 no. You got it all twisted, brother. Paul's where it's at. You need to go to Paul's church. Because if you go to Paul's church, man, Paul's a real cool dude, man. And Paul, he presents the word in such a way, man, that I get it. I'm fed every week. And so in chapter 4, where we just read, Paul uses the example of himself and Apollos. And he says, here's why I'm telling you that we're nobody. Here's why I'm saying to you, who's Apollos, who's Paul? All we did was planted. All we did was water. But God is the one who gave increase. Here's what he's saying. Listen, don't get outside the lines that we're in. He says, we believe God and we trust God and we follow Christ. But all that you see is because we're within the lines. And he says, and the reason why I'm sharing this with you is so that you won't go beyond that which is written. You know, you try at your own peril, by the way. I have nothing to do with this decision. But you drive outside those lines long enough and see what happens. 
That's like saying, we're going to the Bronx, but we're not taking any highways. We're not taking any local roads. We're going all woods, baby. You try that. See, how, see where that leads you. No, don't try it, by the way. But you get my point here? Don't go beyond what is written. If it's not in God's word, please don't add to the word of God because it'll deplete your life. You'll rob yourself. If you look at the book of Revelations at the end, and I know it's referring to the words spoken in Revelation, but there's a valuable truth there. Jesus says this to John. He says, and this word that I've given you, if a man steps out, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have time to go to it. Basically what he's saying is this. If anyone adds or takes away from this book, it's a bad deal. It's not going to turn out good. He says, don't add and don't take away from this truth. Ladies and gentlemen, stay within the lines of God's word. Stay within what is written. Don't go outside of it. If it's not in the Bible, don't justify anything you're doing. Don't do it. It's a recipe for disaster. The third thing I want to leave you with here today is this. Depend on it. Depend on God's word. The Bible says in the book of Matthew that Jesus finds himself in this interaction. Uh, he's about to start his earthly ministry. And guess who shows up? That sneaky, slimy, crafty devil. And Jesus has been on a 40-day fast. And the devil says to him, hey, Jesus, man, I know you're on, a 40, on this 40-day fast, but let me get your attention for a moment. Hey, let me show you something. So he takes him up to the highest pinnacle in all Jerusalem, and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says to him, hey, Jesus, I'll give you all this if you just bow down and worship me. And Jesus responds, it is written that you shall worship the Lord your God and God only. Right? And then Satan says, ah, but Jesus, hey, while we're up here, why don't you jump down? After all, the scriptures do say that he will give his angels charge over you so that you, not, so that you will not dash your foot upon a stone. So go ahead and jump, Jesus. God's got you. See how he wraps the truth with lie? And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. And he corrects him with the word. And then he says to Jesus, well, Jesus, I know you're hungry. And you see those rocks over there? You're Jesus. Oh, great Jesus, you can do all things. And he says, why don't you take those stones and turn them into bread? And listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 4, verse 4. Even Jesus depended on God's word. Listen closely. Even Jesus, being fully God in the form of a man, stayed within the lines of God's word. He depended on it. Jesus answered him. The scriptures say it is not just bread that keeps people alive. Watch this. Their lives depend on what God says. Listen to, don't miss what Jesus just said. Our lives depend on God's word. They depend on it. Let me ask you a question. Just to think about for yourself. Be truthful. We got to be truthful with ourselves. What have you been depending on? 
What's the rock you stand on? Is it a rock at all? Or is it sand? You know, it's unfortunate. I've, I've, I've been doing this now, geez, almost 20 years we've been doing this. I mean, five plus years here at Church at the Bridge, but it's, it's sad, man, because I, I can't tell you how many times I've come across people that say, man, you know, the Lord is leading me in this way. And I say, well, if you know me for any measure of time, here's what you'll know about Pastor Jose. If God, if you tell me God told you, I have nothing to say. I have no opinion. Whether I agree or don't, I have nothing to say. So I can't tell you how many times I've, I've come across people that say, well, God is leading me in this direction, and they go that way. And all of a sudden, things go wrong, and God changed his mind. And God said that now I'm going in this direction, and they begin to go down that path. And all of a sudden, God said again, can I say something to you? God is consistent with his word. And the scriptures declare that his word is like the rain that he provides for the sower who sows the seed. It shall not return empty to him, but it will accomplish everything he sent it forth for. If God said, and if God truly said, then guess what? It will produce. God's not schizophrenic. He's not. God's not changing his mind. We change our minds. Or we think we heard God, but we never actually listened for the voice of God. We went on emotion. By the way, I'm just setting you up for next week. You got to be here. Cancel your plans. Be here. We're going to be talking about how to hear the voice of God. How to know it's God's voice. How to recognize. You can't miss that. But listen, we have to depend on God's word. In Deuter- when Jesus responded this way to Satan, he was alluding to Deuteronomy 8. Go check it out on your own time. In Deuteronomy 8, God is reminding the people of Israel, listen, all these 40 years, I brought you through this desert land and your shoes never wore out. That's a good God. Your clothes never frayed. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even stink. It's like if it was brand new, like you just got it. He says, and if that's not good enough, I provided manna for you, and I provided quail for you, and I provided water for you. I protected you from the sun by day, and I kept you warm by night. I fought your battles and did away with your enemies. And he says this to them in the midst of Deuteronomy 8. He says, and you shall not live upon anything but my word. Depend on my word. It was because you depended on my word. The thing about it that's sad with the people of Israel is that they didn't depend on God. They depended on themselves. And each and every day, you and I have the opportunity to get up and depend on the one and most important thing. What God says to you. You know, dependence speaks of necessity. Dependence draws our focus orients our thinking, changes our priorities when you know that you know that you know that I depend on this. Nothing will get in the way of it. Are you depending on God's word? We should depend on it. 
See, your life does not depend on what you have. Your life depends on God's word. It depends on God's word. And as we wrap up here today, the fourth and final thing that I want to give you as we close out here is this, that we must keep guard over the truth. Listen to what I'm saying here. In 2 Timothy, Paul writes to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, he's swinging back around to Timothy with another letter. And he's reinforcing and encouraging his faith so that he would stay with what God had called him to, what God had told him. See, Timothy was called to pastor a people. It was the church of Ephesus. It was the Macedonian church of its day. It was the church. But Timothy had great responsibilities. And in the midst of that, you, if you read the uh, first and second Timothy with, with uh, great care, what you'll find is that Paul is encouraging him to stick with it, which tells us something, that Timothy had moments where he was about to give up. And watch what Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, watch what God tells Timothy and tells us. He says in t- 2 Timothy 1, verses 13 and 14, he says, keep and follow the pattern of sound doctrine which you've heard from me. In the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is what he's saying to him. Just stick with what I've taught you about Jesus Christ. Stick with the truth that's revealed in Christ Jesus and how that applies to your life. And what that tells you about who you are. And what that tells you about what you can do. And what that tells you about being a husband, being a wife, being a parent, being a member in your community, being responsible in your workplace. He says, just stick with this sound teaching. That in verse 14, he says, guard with greatest care and keep unchanged the treasure, that precious truth which has been entrusted to you That is the good news about salvation through your personal faith in Christ Jesus. Through the help of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Let me ask you a question as we're closing out here. How many of you go to the bank on a weekly basis for the purposes of just depositing one dollar bill? None of you, right? Who's going to the bank to deposit a dollar? What's a dollar? Not even worth the gas. Not even worth my time. I want you to hear something here today. This is how we see the dollar, right? I'm not going to the bank. If I lose a dollar, it's no big deal. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you would take $1,000 and say, yeah, I got to go to the bank and deposit that? You'd go deposit that. You know what that teaches us? You know what that reveals about us? That we understand that we should guard and keep that which is most important. Now watch this. Your heart, where you believe, God created that for one purpose, to be the storehouse for the truth in his word. And God says, you guard this truth in your heart. You don't let anything infiltrate that. You don't let anything change that. You hold that truth in your heart. You believe it. 
and you don't compromise it. Guard it. So if we're going to manage and steward what God has entrusted us through his word, we've got to understand this, that it's got to take a root in our heart first. And it's got to be kept there. Uncompromised. Uncompromised. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, 6. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. He says, if you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, if you read the prior chapters to this, chapter 5, chapter 6, going into chapter 7, it's what many people allude to as the Beatitudes. And so Jesus has been teaching people. He says, I know you've heard that you should give an eye for an eye and two for a tooth. That's how you pay people back when they do you wrong. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies. Turn the other cheek, right? And so he's teaching them. He's introducing them to the kingdom's ways. And as he's wrapping this up, he makes this statement that we just read in verse 6. He says, what I've entrusted to you, don't just give that away to someone who can influence you in such a way that they trample it. He says, don't take what's sacred and give it to a dog. You know what I know about dogs? I love my two dogs, Riley and Bailey. They're the cutest thing, right? But I'll tell you something about them. They're not going to treat my shoes the way I do. They're not. They're just not going to do it. They're not going to treat my furniture the way I do. My point with that is simply this. Jesus is saying, it's not about you can't share your faith or you shouldn't. What he's saying is these truths, these words that I've given to you, that I've given you to manage, be careful who you allow to influence what I've given you. Watch this because if you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Today as we stand and we close, I want you to take a moment in complete silence to consider what you've just heard. It's challenging. It strikes us right in the face of what we believe and what we know and what we depend on. And if you're going to hear God's voice and Listen, God is speaking to you. God's saying, hey, what are you doing with what I've equipped you to manage? Are you really applying this? Are you really practicing it? Are you letting that lead and define how you think and how you respond in everything? What will you do with the greatest thing that God possesses, that he has elevated? What will you do with his word? Father, today we come to you with open hearts. And Lord, I know and trust and believe what your word says, that in the hearing of your word, hearing happens. Our ears are open and faith works. And so, Lord, today, right here, right now, here we are, exposed, transparent before you. For some of us, here's what that means. 
man, you know what? I haven't been dependent on God's word, and I certainly haven't been managing it. For others, man, you know, I didn't realize that I thought I was depending on God, but I'm realizing that there are certain things that I've been compromising. I've been going into a gray area that doesn't exist. And thus, I haven't been getting the results that I anticipate from God's word. And for some of us, you know what? You've been doing this. It's a part of your life. It affects your mindset. But here's the encouragement to you. God hasn't called you just to be a recipient of his truth. He's called you to be one who pours it out into the lives of others. There are people that need to see that Jesus is alive and well and that his word is true. But people don't want to hear what you tell them is the truth. People want to see the truth in our lives. And so right here, right now, Lord, we turn our attention to you. We say, God, here I am. God, I will steward your great, your precious word. I will apply it, and I will practice it. I will do something with it. For some of us here today, man, listen, God's been speaking to you in areas of your life. He's been calling you to give up some things. He's been calling you to take on some things. He's been calling you to change some things. And right here, right now, is the place of decision. Don't miss this moment. Agree with God's word and watch God's word work in your life. It's possible that there's someone here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You've never considered a relationship with God. But today, you see something different. You see that God has a treasure for you, that God loves you. And the best decision that you can make is to respond to this one simple truth, that God so loved the world, regardless of what they've done and the sin that we were in, that he came in the form of a man and he died the death that was ours to pay for the penalty of sin so that we could in turn have his life and be absolved of sin, that we could be righteous. If you believe that today, I want to encourage you to join us in this simple prayer as we close. Say this with us. Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me. Because you love me. And so from this day forward, I declare that you are my Lord. That you are my Savior. That you are my God. And from this day forward, I will follow you. I will put my trust in you. And I will apply your word to my life. If you prayed that for the very first time, come on now. We celebrate what God is doing in the lives of people. You no longer have to go wayward. You have the truth. And we want to walk alongside you. Now, Father, we thank you for all that you've done, for the truth that you've entrusted us with. And we apply it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next Sunday.